Hey, hey, it's Friday night. Still one more step before you take off of the weekend. That is this half hour of radio, the Disability Law Show. So good to have you along on this Friday. John Scholes here. Again, Savannah Tamarkin, co-founding partner, Sam Firu Tamarkin is here. And Albert Klein as well, always joining us on a Friday night to share the knowledge. You want to reach out to the fellas and their uh, their teams, everybody the firm, one 821 5900 help at disabilityrights.ca. That's the email we're going to go to here in just a, a few minutes. Also, the website, disabilityrights.ca. And for quick and concise, easy-to-read, non-legalese memos about LTD, bunch of topics, drop-down menu, super easy to use, called ltdfaq.ca. We'll get to a couple more things you should know throughout the uh, the half hour, but we'll get into this, guys. Slip and falls on ice or snow, what you need to know about your legal rights. Even though the weather this week has been pretty good, it's going to start getting real ugly. We just dodged it, right? We had some above us. We had some below us in Buffalo, but... You know it's coming, so this stuff is is vital to learn, especially this time of year. Number one, Savan, uh, make sure you or a family member or friend or a witness passing by, whoever, takes photos and videos of the area that you fall as soon as possible. Everybody's got a cell phone now. Shouldn't be a problem, right? That's right, John. And this is something we talked about before many times, but you have no idea. I still get people calling me. Uh, telling me about their slip and falls, explaining to me what happened. And it's not just ice and snow. I mean, that too, obviously, but even inside a grocery store or a Costco or a department store, maybe there was a liquid, you know, that, that is on the floor. Something happened that caused them to fall. And they, they were with someone, uh, they were witnesses, there is an incident report, etc. But there are no photos and there, there's no videos. And the problem with that is that it becomes a he said, she said. If you're saying that you slipped and fell uh, outside of uh, the grocery store in a parking lot or on a city sidewalk, and you say, well, this is what caused me to fall and it was just icy everywhere, black ice, and I couldn't see anything, etc. Uh, you know, you could have a situation where, yeah, we'll believe you, certainly we'll believe any witnesses, but the other side, whether it's the winter maintenance contractor that was responsible uh, for maintaining the area and is now trying to cover their butt, right, from a liability mm-hmm. standpoint, or maybe it's the owner of the premises or the city or whoever it is, they're going to potentially disagree. And so then it becomes a question of who's more believable, and that affects your right to compensation. So it's really important that if you are injured in a slip and fall, in a car accident, in anything like that, there should be some documentation, if at all possible. Now, look, sometimes, John, we're dealing with very serious uh, injuries. We're talking about fractures. We're talking about sometimes brain hemorrhage, you know, to go to the extreme. But if you can, if if you're thinking about it or if you have somebody that's with you, even a passerby, a witness, please ask him to take photos of the area or you take photos of the area. Video is even better. A lot of time that makes or breaks a case or sometimes changes the percentage of responsibility, liability as to who's responsible for this. Uh, And that could potentially mean thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars in your pocket or not in your pocket. So so again, you got to make sure you got to make sure that you think about that. Uh, I know, you know, we're dealing with accidents. So immediately you panic and immediately you're dealing with your health issues, the emergency that's at hand. Completely understand. I completely, completely understand. But if at all possible, and maybe you, by the way, as a listener, are not the one that's injured. Maybe it is a friend of yours or a family member, a colleague, someone. 
you know, do them a favor. I remember, John, uh, a couple years back, I was a witness to a car accident. It, it wasn't a severe accident by any means, but, you know, being the lawyer that I am doing the kind of work that I do, I immediately went and spoke to the people that were involved. Obviously, 911 was called, and I took myself a bunch of photos and videos of the area in the event that either one of the insurance companies requires it or if there is a claim that's made by someone for compensation. You know, I, I'm not saying I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, be on this side or the other side uh, in terms of the parties involved, but I, I, I was taking that documentation just as a bystander, you know, to be able to help the parties out. So again, remember, if you're in, you're, in, you're involved in a slip and fall or any type of accident, or if you are a witness to one, use your camera or ask somebody to take photos and videos. And point number two, you kind of touched on already, uh, Albert, that would be report the incident to whoever's responsible for the area. And again, if you're in a mall or grocery store, it's pretty simple. You seek out the manager or the GM. But same goes if you're a parking lot or if you're on ice, right? Absolutely. And I can't stress how important that this is to do and to do within a timely manner. What amount of time you actually have to give this notice and report this incident uh, is ultimately dictated by where you fall or how you fall. And unfortunately, this is a very draconian part of our law. And what I mean by that is basically, if you don't notify the correct parties within the right amount of time, the law says you could be prejudicing your ability to commence a legal claim. In other words, you might be out of time to do anything whatsoever, meaning zero recourse. And so in Ontario, if you fall on city property due to ice or snow, you actually only have 10 days to provide proper notification. And you have to send it to the city clerk of the municipality. Uh, you have to you have to uh, give a bunch of details about exactly where you fell, how you fell. And the point is this: it's 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 pretty tough to do alone. So you want to make sure that you speak to a lawyer immediately. And a lot of people don't know about this ten day notice period. And I've heard of tons of claims being completely out of time, well within the usual two year period, but way outside that ten day period. And because of that people lose lose out on the ability to do anything. And so you want to make sure that you speak with a lawyer right away, uh, regardless of where you fall, even, even within the first day, because they're going to tell you how to gather that evidence, uh, tell you that your, your friend should go and take photos, tell you that you're supposed to provide notice. Uh, you only have 60 days if it's not on city property. So need, needless to say, there's a lot of nuances to uh, the proper notifications that you actually do have to provide in the event that you do suffer a slip and fall on snow or ice. And then finally, guys, third point is this, where we uh, turn it back to you, and that is you inform yourself of the compensation. How? By speaking to one of you guys. Pick up that phone and dial that number because you've got to get your ducks in a row when it comes to knowing how much that possibly could be, right? And the many aspects of it, Savannah. That's right, John. We talk to people each and every day across the province, and we advise them of their options. We tell them what they're entitled to. Uh, we're talking about the dollar amounts. You know, if you broke your elbow, if you broke your your ankle, uh, your knee, uh, you suffered a mild traumatic head injury, you suffered just back pains or neck pains, chronic pain as a result of these kinds of injuries, whether it's a slip and fall or a car accident, a bicycle accident, whatever it is, we are here to give out information. If you don't want to act on it, on this information, that's completely up to you. But our job is done, as far as I'm concerned, in terms of providing this information once we speak with you, assess your case, and it can be done on the phone, it can be done by Zoom. You know, in the old times, it used to be in person. We can still do that if necessary, but I think now everybody is pretty much comfortable with phone or some other medium, uh, electronic medium. Uh, but we will discuss with you two central issues which really dominate 
any personal injury case or most personal injury cases. Number one is liability. Who is at fault? Remember, when you're dealing with fault, whether it's a car accident, slip and fall, bicycle accident, whatever the injury is, it's not always a black and white. It's not always 100% me or 100% the other person. Imagine a situation where you're going through a red light. Uh, you, you are making a left-hand turn. There is a question as to whether or not you went on red or you went on just before the light turned red and the other car continued straight and you collided. Is it going to be 100% on me, 100% on whoever went through, uh, you know, through the red light potentially? Well, your insurance company may say one thing, Civil law may say something completely different from a damages standpoint. My point is that we have to deal with who is at fault for these accidents. Even in a slip and fall case, John, sometimes it's the uh, winter maintenance contractor that hasn't properly salted the area or cleaned the area. But what about the individual who slipped and fell? Were they looking where they were stepping? Maybe there's some fault on them. So we can give you that assessment. Again, it's completely free. When you speak with us, we will tell you exactly what we think and our opinion, our professional opinion with respect to liability. And then we talk about damages. Damages are really, really important. And I'll tell you why, John. Having done insurance defense in the past, having worked for insurance companies many, many years ago, one of the central issues that insurance companies are concerned about, in fact, I think the central issue is how much money they're going to have to pay an injured individual as a result of an accident, as a result of something that one of their insureds has done. And I remember when I was doing defense work and working for these insurance companies, back then my job was to limit the amount of money that was being paid. Of course, now I'm on the other side. Albert and I help people who are injured. And so now our job is to maximize what these insurance companies pay our clients. Two minutes. And one, one of the mistakes that I, I remember seeing a lot from lawyers who were representing injured individuals is, is, number one, they didn't really claim for all the categories of compensation that they could claim for. You have different co uh, categories. You can claim for income loss if you can't work or have difficulty working because of your injuries, even if you went back to full-time work but now are somewhat limited in your ability to advance through your position, there is what's called a loss of competitive advantage in the workplace. That's also compensable. What about pain and suffering? What about out-of-pocket expenses? You have to go to your doctors, to the hospital for visits. Maybe you don't have a health benefits package through work and you have to pay for physio and massage. What if you, in fact, need some modifications to your home? And that's going to cost a lot of money. Even more than that, John, what if one of your family members, your husband, your wife, your sibling, your son, your daughter, your parents, what if they need to now do certain things for you? What Maybe you help you around the home or take care of you. Under the legislation we have in Ontario, they're also entitled to some compensation for that kind of work. So you see, I used to see a lot of lawyers miss that on the other side when I was doing insurance defense work. We focus on maximizing the amount of compensation that we can recover for our clients. So we want to make sure insurance companies pay 100% of what they have to pay. And I'm telling you, John, we're very, very assertive when it comes to that. We don't leave a dime on the table because at the end of the day, that dime belongs to our client. Assertive and effective indeed. Reach out to Savannah, Albert, and the rest of the teams, of course. Uh, the number anytime for a uh, confidential phone call, 1-855-821-5900. And the email address we're about to bounce over to after break is help at disabilityrights.ca. We'll continue Friday night edition. Disability Law Show continues. Hang on. All right. Welcome back. Disability Law Show on your Friday. Reaching out to either Savannah Tamarkin or Albert Klein. You could do so. Phone number one 855 821-5900, about to get into an email. That address you can use anytime as well, help at disabilityrights.ca. 
And for free and anonymous links to questions you want to ask, type them into your uh, your phone, your tablet, your computer. Go to mydisabilityquestions.com. That one's a beauty because it's got a searchable database. So there's a pretty high probability over the years that people have been using this uh, wonderful site that your question or one very similar to it, almost identical, may have been asked in the past and you can read the answer. If not, leave it there and it will uh, it will get answered. Sean, first email guy says, Hello, my mom was injured in a car accident a few weeks ago. She was taken to the hospital and released. They said she had bruised ribs and just needs rest. She was feeling a lot of pain the following week, so went to the family doctor who took some more x-rays and determined her ribs were fractured. The doctor says it could be a few months before the injury heals, but that she will likely be left with some permanent pain and restrictions due to various parts of her body. Uh, I was just wondering if she would be eligible for any compensation from the insurance company and how best to go about that. Thank you, said Sean. Yeah, this is not uncommon. Uh, Shauna, very sorry for what your mom went through. Let me break this down. First of all, your mom is entitled to certain benefits from her own automobile insurance company. Irrespective of whose fault this was, she is entitled to certain benefits. I'm talking about benefits like uh, medical rehabilitation benefits uh, and the amounts uh, whether it is uh, less or more depends on the severity of the injuries. If she suffered rib fractures and other types of injuries, she's li- likely going to be uh, entitled to, to more than just the minimums. The minimums are $3,500. That's assuming that the insurance company categorizes your injuries as being within the minor injury guideline. We call that the MIG in Ontario. But I think that she would be outside the MIG given the type of injuries that she has. So it's really important to understand that there are certain benefits here that she's entitled to, including also income replacement benefits if she has difficulty working and earning income after the first week uh, of, of the accident. And, and those usually are um, those benefits usually are up to $400 per week. Again, it depends. There's a, there's a formula the insurance companies use to calculate how much she's entitled to. And there's other types of benefits. Now, there is another claim that she may very well be entitled to here. I don't know how the accident actually happened, but if the accident was not her fault, or at least there was some fault on whoever else caused the accident, she may have what's called a tort claim. A tort claim is a claim against the other driver or the other party or parties responsible for the accident. We see this a lot with rear-enders, we see this a lot with T-bone uh, accidents, multi-car collisions, etc., where you have different insurance companies involved. And so in this case, Sean, if your mother was either not at fault or somebody else was at least partially at fault, she may be entitled to compensation from that other driver's insurance company. And that kind of compensation uh, has to do with pain and suffering. It has to do with other expenses that were not covered by her own insurance company, maybe future income losses. Typically, in order to claim for those kinds of, of injuries and for that kind of compensation from the other driver, whoever was at fault, you need to show that your injuries have some permanency to them and that they're serious. And of course, that's very difficult to assess by an ordinary person. What's permanent, what's serious? But Sean here is telling us that the doctor is saying that she will likely have some residual issues as a result of this accident, some permanency to the pain and restrictions in her body. And if that's the case, she will satisfy that criteria. So the question then becomes, are these serious impairments? And usually when we look at seriousness, we, we ask, well, is it impacting your ability to work or is it impacting most of your activities of daily living, etc.? 
So we deal with a lot of these kinds of accidents, typically the more serious ones, the ones where, you know, it's more than just aches and pains for a few days or a few weeks or a few months, but the ones that remain long term. Uh, we help people with those kinds of injuries, Sean. We have people that can help your mother here, both on the accident benefit side with her own insurance company, as well as with potentially the other larger claim, the tort claim against whoever was at fault for the accident. So maybe after the show, we can connect. We can speak with your mother again by phone if necessary, um, by Zoom, whatever, whatever she's comfortable with. Explain all of the options so she's informed, so you are informed, so the family is informed about what kind of compensation your mother may be entitled to. Let's move on down the line, guys, to uh, <clears throat> Kim. I think we got time for this one. Kim says, hey, Savannah, hey, Albert, I was uh, referred to you by someone you have helped before, and they said that your team are the best when it comes to long-term disability problems. I live in Victoria, and I caught COVID from my workplace in January. I've been unable to return to work full-time due to long COVID symptoms. I applied for LTD in July after my six months waiting period. However, my claim has still not been decided. There's more to the story, of course, and I'm in need of a lawyer to understand my rights. Since I'm too sick to work, my employer has stopped paying me. I no longer have extended health benefits to cover treatments. I've been getting to assist in my recovery, and it does not seem that insurance is going to approve my LTD claim. They found a loophole that my employer's HR manager helped them find. I've indicated I could return uh, at 10 hours a week from home and spaced out to account for my periods of fatigue. But that is not something they seem interested in supporting and would rather have me gone. Is this something you or your lawyers can help me with? Wow. Well, lot, lots going on here. But thank you very much, Kim. We appreciate you writing in. And thank you very much to your friend for referring you to us. I mean, there's many components here to your query. But generally speaking, it sounds like you're having issues with both your LTD insurer and your employer. And so the good thing for you is that we have lawyers who specialize in both. In fact, these are both of our specialties. Vis-a-vis -vis your LTD case, it sounds like you can't work full-time. So, so therefore, you should be covered for some degree of disability benefits. Uh, on the other hand, it also sounds like your employer is failing to accommodate you. So ultimately, you have to decide which way you want to pursue. And you should give us a call. We'll help you navigate this. There's a lot of different nuances, and there's a very large interplay, which generally exists between employment claims and LTD claims. On the one hand, in order to maximize your LTD claims, typically speaking, you're gonna to have to establish that you can't work. But then on the other hand, for your employment claims, you have to establish that you can work, or at least you can on an accommodated basis. And so oftentimes, these two cases and these two positions become very mutually exclusive. It becomes tough to argue one while also arguing the other. So needless to say, by making certain statements to your employer, you actually may be hurting or prejudicing your long-term disability claim, which is perhaps what's happened here and maybe the reason that your long-term disability insurer is denying you, but also your employer is, is failing to accommodate you. Needless to say, give us a shout. We'll help you, nav help you navigate all of this. We have employment lawyers you can speak with. You can speak with me on the LTD front. Happy to speak to you free of charge. Savan, anything to add? And I, I think you covered everything, really. I, and this is really the messaging here. I think you touched on it, but I just want to highlight that. We do have individuals, John, that come to us who've gone to uh, an LTD lawyer outside of our firm, and they're also navigating an employment issue. And so then they have two lawyers, one on the employment side in one firm and one on the LTD in another firm. And the problem is that then there is some sort of competition between the two, not because the lawyers purposely do this, but because 
you don't have necessarily the same communication that you would have if everything was in-house. We also have people who come to us for the LTD part of the equation, but also had an employment lawyer deal with the employment issue. Again, whatever their employment uh, lawyer is doing on one side could affect their LTD case and vice versa. And so when we tell you that we have both specialties in-house and we are known we are known throughout the country, by the way, not just in Ontario. We are known for having this dual specialty. Trust us on this. If you don't like us after speaking with us, if something doesn't make any sense, by all means, go elsewhere. But this is free advice that you're going to get from us. So it's absolutely key. And the other thing I'll say is, John, is some people oftentimes find themselves stuck between a rock and a hard place. On the one hand, the insurance company says, no, we're not paying. On the other hand, the employer says, we're just not going to budge either. Uh, you either come back full time or you don't. And, and it's in those cases where people feel helpless. And I want people to understand that feeling of helplessness is natural, but it's a mirage. It's a mirage because you do have options. The law is on your side. That's one of the things that I love about doing this show uh, and all the shows that we do, John, is that we, we, we get to, to tell people what their rights are. Once you know what your rights are, you understand that you actually have a lot more power than you think you do. You understand that the insurance company can't trample on the, on those rights. They can't. They can't. They're not above the law. Same thing with your employer. And and you know, at the end of the day, it's your decision. You don't want to do anything about this. That's fine. But if you need help, we are here for you. We will help you. If you go to our website, you'll see our Google reviews. You'll see you know, the tremendous success we've had for people and how we've been able to help so many people across the country Two with minutes. both employment matters and LTD matters. Guys, we only have a couple minutes left. We can try to get a quick one from Shannon. says, I was denied an LTD claim eight years ago. I wasn't healthy enough to fight. And I now. Oh my gosh, Albert! We've no. seen those things happen before, eh? I, I, you know, John, this is this is really unfortunate, and, and you know the fact that Shannon is saying this eight years later. Uh, I don't know if she's still unable uh, to work, but I can tell you, I have spoken with people who only became aware of their rights years and years later uh, just by listening to us, not being aware that there was a limitation period, that there is a certain amount of time that you can actually take action, and beyond that time frame. Your rights are essentially extinguished under the law, and that's called the limitation period. You have two years from the date of your first denial to start a legal claim against your insurance company for a denied LTD claim or a cutoff of LTD. If you don't do that, your rights may potentially be extinguished. There are some exceptions. So even if you're within that situation, give us a call so we can talk to you. But generally speaking, just be very cognizant of that two-year limitation period. Thank you so much for your attention over the half hour. Get into your weekend now that we are uh, done for the Friday night edition of the show, but you can still continue to reach out anytime toll-free to Savannah or Albert or their team. one 821 5900 is the number. That email address is help at disabilityrights.ca. For short, fast, concise memos on LTD, a bunch of topics, really easy to navigate. Simply go to ltdfaq.ca. We'll catch you next time on the Disability Law Show.